Wes Farmers has begun one of its rare transitions. The CEO for the past 12 years, Richard Goiter, has announced he's leaving towards the end of this year and that his successor will be Rob Scott, yet another internal appointment to the top job. Scott will become the eighth CEO of Wes Farmers in more than 100 years and all have come from within. Now, I've interviewed Richard Goiter many times over the years and it's always been quite a nice experience, although occasionally the interviews have got a bit tetchy, especially after he bought Coles just before the GFC. But that turned out pretty well as well. Anyway, this might be my last interview with him. In a couple of months, Richard will start being interviewed by sports journalists when he becomes chairman of the AFL Commission. And his second passion, footy, will become his first. In this week's Spotlight interview, I started by asking Richard why he's hanging around till the end of the year as a lame duck. Why not just go now? <laughs> well, and actually for, for West Farmers, it's relatively short because I think my transition uh, from Michael to Tony to me was 15 months, so this is nine. Um, and it, what it does is uh, Rob Scott will run industrials through to the end of the financial year. He'll transition into the corporate office after that. And it gives him an opportunity to get out and about, talk to the senior people in the organisation, including directors, come to his own view on things and he can hit the ground running after I finish up at the AGM later in the year. Right, so there's no concern about you kind of being a lame duck uh, CEO of some sort in the meantime? <laughs> well, I, I think as soon as you announce these things, the transition starts happening. But we, we've got a lot on our plate, as no doubt we'll talk about shortly this year. And I'm actually looking forward to having Rob around about the place to, to help on a lot of the decisions we'll have to make and uh, and so, so I think it'll work pretty well. So let's talk about what's on the company's plate. You've, um, what's the main thing that you're looking at this year? Is it, is it the Bunnings expansion in the UK or um, or other things? Well, in, in terms of growth, the, operating the current businesses we've got well and looking to invest appropriately to, to grow each of those businesses is important and in that context the Bunnings UK thing is very important and the board's going to the UK in June to have a look at where we're at and by then we'll have um, three or four of the new Bunnings stores open. Then as we announced yesterday we're having a look at um, Officeworks and whether we should IPO or sell that business and we're in the process with resources at the moment. So there's a bit going on in the portfolio, a lot going on in the divisions, and you know, balance sheet's really strong, Alan, and I'm always hopeful, time will tell whether anything happens, that there'll be other opportunities come our way that we can have a look at as well. Why pick Officeworks for um, review in that way, whether to sell it or to IPO it? We've been advised that Officeworks is a size scale in a market sector that could be a very attractive type of business to IPO at the moment. And if that happened to be the case, that would be a good opportunity potentially for our shareholders to monetize the increased value that Mark Ward and the team have generated in Officeworks. There's no certainty that that'll happen, Alan, but yeah, we'll have a look at it, um, test the market and, and see whether yeah, we think it's the right opportunity. What I was thinking was that you could just about do that with any of your businesses. You know, Bundings is incredibly successful, all the industrial businesses, I mean, the coals itself, I suppose. I mean, why pick Officeworks? 
Yes, you're right. And as you know, um, we, we would say that any business in West Farmers is for sale at any time if the after-tax proceeds are more than what we think the business is worth. The office works is a size and scale that sort of fits neatly into something that is potential you know, to IPO, whereas Coles is obviously materially bigger as is Bunnings. And so not as simple and certainly a possible buyer set is not as simple either. So in terms of executing something, Officeworks is probably more doable than anything else at the moment. Is there any concern in your mind that IPOing or selling Officeworks puts question marks around the whole conglomerate structure and theme of Wes Farmers? I mean, we've, you and I have been talking about this for years, about uh, Wes Farmers as a conglomerate, which, yeah. and you've talked about the company having a conglomerate licence, which is a very interesting idea. Is there any concern in your mind that getting rid of one or more of the divisions puts the licence under question? No, I mean, I, I do think that licence is important because it, it provides us opportunities to look at an opportunity set far broader and wider than others can. But if you look back, we had investment in rail, we sold that. We obviously had our insurance business, we sold that. So we, we've, we were in the rural sector, we've sold that. And from time to time, we do sell businesses that we're involved in. And you know, there's no certainty anything will happen with Officeworks, but given that we're doing some market soundings, we knew it would leak, so we thought best to come out and, and indicate that we're having a look at it. Time will tell, but we'll still have, if that were to happen, we've still got the industrials businesses, we've got a range of retail businesses and, and a capacity to look at a whole lot of things, I think. And um, speaking of industrial businesses, it's been, it's been an interesting time for coal. A year ago, coal was looking terrible business and now it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose that's the thing about having a conglomerate. Some of the businesses are going uh, good or bad at, each, at any particular time. Yeah, and, and coal prices peaked at over $300. I think they're back down to about half of that now, but still attractive pricing. And certainly the resources business this year for West Farmers will deliver a significant increase in profit over last year and be a good outcome for our shareholders. And I think it also, Alan, supports the conglomerate structure. It also supports taking a long-term view because, you know, you would have seen this time last year a lot of people saying, yeah, they should sell this business and we're able to generally take a long-term view and, and hold on things if we think over the long term that's the right thing for our shareholders. And So we'll see where we go. We've got expressions of interest for our coal assets coming in at the moment. They're not easy assets to sell in the environment we're living in at the moment. So time will tell again whether we do anything on that front. But in the meantime, they're generating good profits and cash for our shareholders. You would have been chuffed to see the Treasurer taking a lump of coal into Parliament and waving it around and uh, talking about how, <laughs> how much he loves coal. What do you think well, of all this yeah. controversy that's going on? Well, I, th I actually think the Prime Minister's speech of a couple of weeks ago saying that Australia should look at coal-fired power generation in the supercritical coal-fired plants, it needs to be taken seriously because coal is a low-cost source of energy and these supercritical coal-fired power stations have materially lower emissions than some of the ones we've got around the country at the moment. And, you know, if the world was to move to more of these type of power stations, that would probably be the most significant thing we could do to reduce CO2 emissions. So, so you know, in a country where energy... Pricing and reliability is a big deal at the moment. I'm pleased that the debate's back on about coal and 
Yeah, I often say to people who say to me, oh, we should phase out coal. I say, well, as long as you're prepared to sit at home in the dark at night because coal-fired energy in Australia, uh, I think, still accounts for something like 60 or 70% of baseload power in this country. The other thing that's going on at the moment is discussion about taxation. What do you think the government should do in response if Donald Trump does actually reduce company tax in the US uh, to 15%? Yeah, well, I said yesterday to a briefing that, you know, to a degree, I think there's an economic war going on at the moment, and that goes to currency and monetary policy of governments. And I, I think the battlefield now is tax. And Australia used to have a very competitive tax rate. Now we don't. And if President Trump takes it down to 15% and the UK goes below 20, that's a material difference to Australia. And You know how businesses look at this, Alan. They look at their after-tax cash flows to justify investments. And if Australia's out of step on tax, ultimately there will be, capital will go to other places, and that's bad for Australia. Australia relies on new capital in terms of investment. I think the consequences of us not having a competitive tax rate are relatively serious. But we're struggling to get the company tax rate down to 25% over 10 years. I mean, getting it below 20 would be you would think impossible. How would you do that? Well, at the moment, it feels like that if there is a tax cut, it'll be to smaller businesses, not large businesses. And then there's this funny notion that large businesses don't pay tax, but you'll have seen in our numbers yesterday that you know we paid over 30% of our pre-tax profits away in tax. So how do you do it? Well, the thing that most of the economic modelling shows that if you reduce tax rates, you do get higher investment, you do get more growth in the economy, and that in turn will create more tax through the high growth rates. And if Australia wants to have all the things that we value as a society uh, in terms of protecting people and the like, then we're going to have to have higher economic growth or we're going to have to pare back expenditure on what people commonly call middle-class welfare because just keeping hitting up companies won't work forever. No, but I mean, the problem, I suppose, is that, um, and we don't want to go on about this too much, but the problem would be that if we cut corporate tax to just be at parity with other countries, then uh, we might not get the economic growth, the, the investment and the growth that you talk about. Yeah, I think it'd help. And actually, even having a pathway to lower tax rates will help sentiment, I think, Alan. Australia's got other benefits. You know, it's a resilient economy. It's stable. We're on the doorstep of growth economy. So I think we need to have a competitive tax rate. We don't need to be the lowest, but we certainly need to have a competitive tax rate. When you look back over your period as CEO, which I think, what is it, um, 12 years or getting on for that? Yeah, coming up, yep. Is the acquisition of Coles the highlight? Probably. I mean, there's been lots of you know highlights in terms of some of the things we've been able to do, and some of the things that, you know that I see that fantastic people in the organisation have done. But in a macro sense, the Coles thing was a big bet. It was complex and a big beast to turn around, and bringing Ian McLeod and John Durkin and others into to run the business and Archie Norman and seeing it turn around has been gratifying and as has came out in Office Works and obviously we've got some work to do still at Target but 
probably that's the highlight, but you know, there's been plenty of highlights, few lowlights, but that's, that's life as a CEO. The turnaround of Coles was greatly assisted by Woolworths, of course, being bad, particularly early on. I mean, they've now possibly begun to turn it around themselves. Do you think that, that combating Woolworths turnaround is going to be one of Rob Scott's big challenges? Yes, I think it will. It's a competitive market, and it's not just Woolworths. You know, Aldi's you know massive German-owned company. There's thousands of independents. There's obviously the Metcash IGA. So it's a competitive sector, and Coles maintaining its position with customers in terms of trusted value and quality and innovation will be an ongoing challenge. But the beauty for Rob is, under John Durkin's leadership, we've got a good strategy, and quite clearly, as we indicated yesterday we will invest in price and service and, and innovation and products in in coals over the course to ensure that we get the right long-term outcomes that'll be a challenge as you know it's a competitive market out there alan and there's lots of people whether it's competitors or governments or regulators who don't necessarily make life easy for us no no in fact in retail there's no shortage of challenges at all and one of them this year i guess is going to be amazon apparently what do you know about that and what sort of challenge do you think they will represent? Oh, I think they're a, an awesome company. Um, they will have a presence in Australia without question and they've got a growth trajectory globally which is very powerful. So, you know, we just have to be as good as we can be. We have to be as good as anyone in the world in terms of our pricing, our logistics, the mediums through which we sell, whether it's digital or through our stores. And what sort of things should investors look forward to with Rob Scott in charge? I mean, what do you think are likely to be his big wins and, and also his style? Rob's measured. He's obviously a high achiever. He has been in business and in his sporting life. Um, Rob's got a really good capacity to look at growth opportunities and he had a period in investment banking, so he, he knows how to put structured deals and and be innovative and creative on that. So I'd expect Rob to carry on at West Farmers in terms of managing the portfolio, looking for growth. He's a very good developer of people and teams. Uh, so I'm excited about the opportunity with Rob. Do you think he'll be a, an acquisitive uh, managing director? Perhaps not the same you were in the sense of at least one big acquisition. I mean, what's he going to do in that respect? Well, that'll depend on opportunities, Alan, but it won't be for lack of trying that Rob will be looking to use the balance sheet and, and manage the portfolio, I think. And just finally, what um, looking forward to AFL chairmanship, what are you proposing to do there, if anything? Obviously, there's been quite a bit of achievement under Mike Fitzpatrick. They've expanded. The, I mean, what, what sort of things face you in that role? Well, it's an amazing game and it makes a huge contribution to the community across Australia. And so, you know, I look forward to working with the Commission and Gill and his team to further entrench the game as the most popular and, uh, and important sport in Australia and through that build football and communities and the infrastructure and to take another step. And obviously this year we've got our first international home and away game in Shanghai and I think some of those broader opportunities to grow the game are going to be quite exciting in, in the years ahead. So I'm excited about it, Alan. It's, uh, as you know, it's a phenomenal game and uh, there's some really good people in the industry. Thanks very much, Richard. Thanks, Alan. Good luck for the future. 